Hey, what's up? It's your boy, Corey Deanna Lewis, founder of The Healthy Project and host of The Healthy Project Podcast. My mission is to bring awareness to health and wellness concerns that are impacting our communities. On this podcast, you'll learn strategies to improve your health from health professionals from around the world that are trying to make an impact in people's lives. Enjoy. Hello, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Healthy Project Podcast. I am your host, Corey Dion Lewis. I have a great guest in the building today. I've been really excited to do this interview just to get another perspective from um, someone that kind of has a similar has similar experience in, in the healthcare field. I have um, leadership and executive coach, uh, also a health coach, Melissa Arthur. Melissa, thank you so much for being on. I appreciate it. Hi, Corey. Thank you so much for having me. The conversations and information that you're putting out on this podcast are so important. And I'm just really honored to be invited to the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, before we get started, you know, how about we tell, how about you tell everybody a little bit about yourself and, you know, what gets you up in the morning? Yeah. So I live in Northeast Kansas with my husband and my two dogs, and I am a leadership and health and wellness coach in private practice currently. Um, I'm certified by the International Coaching Federation, as well as the National Board for Health and Wellness Coaches. Coaching was a midlife career pivot for me. Before this, I served 16 years um, as director of operations in a nonprofit that connects kids with nature and owned a yoga studio with a couple of my friends for 10 years and um, was originally certified as a leadership coach and um, started my private practice in 2017 doing a blend of leadership and wellness coaching, primarily for women leaders, and got recruited to work in primary care in 2018. So I worked in a primary care medical care center for about three years in Kansas City, and um, am now back full-time in my private practice, but also still connected to health and wellness and wanting to continue making an impact in that way. So, you know, tell me, you know, how was, and I think we kind of talked about this before, not a whole lot of people, there not are, there aren't really a lot of health coaches in primary care settings. Can you talk a little bit about your experience in a primary care setting? Yeah, so I participated in the opening of two brand new primary care clinics in the Kansas City area over the course of about three years. Um, One was in a more of a suburban rural setting and one was in the urban heart of Kansas City. And um, I served as an integrated member of a medical team. And so we coached patients as they were working to implement the behavior changes that were recommended by their provider. And typically weight loss, smoking cessation, condition management for things like hypertension and diabetes, stress management and resilience, work-life balance, and those kinds of things were the topics of coaching in the care center. Um, The company I worked for really had a coach approach that emphasized empathetic listening, mindfulness, was really big on behavior change in their model of care. They included coaching um, in the care plans of all their patients and also included coach training for all of their staff. So it was really an an exceptional um, model to have primary care that was so 
interested in the coach approach and in integrating coaching. So I, I played an active role in the racial diversity, equity, inclusion, and justice work of our nationwide coaching team, in addition to serving on the, the company-wide uh, DEI committee. So that work especially during the time that I um, was serving in the care center um, was really front and center um, in, in my practice. Right. You know, and what, what I, what I'm seeing also Melissa is health coaching kind of a vital part of the health equity disparity conversation, how they can benefit those patients you you said you were a big you know a vital part of that implementation what did that look like and what kind of things did you um did you guys do yeah so as a health coach i spent more time talking with my patients learning about their life story understanding what their reality is than their provider ever had time mm-hmm. um, or training to really dig into. And so um, it was an opportunity for me to really learn about what gets in the way of everybody wants to be healthy. Everyone, everyone wants to feel better and really understand the outside factors that were mm-hmm. uh, getting in the way of that for our patients and really help for our providers to begin to broaden their way of thinking um, in terms of how they look at their patients, how they interact with their patients um, beyond just um, biology. Right. And, and get thinking about their outside factors, were there, were there specific factors that you noticed with the certain populations that you worked with? What were some of those that you, that you felt like you were coming to more often than others? Oh, there were so many, you know, as you know, Corey, there are so many barriers when people yeah. really start working toward improving their health and wellness. I, I have a few in mind that were the most common. Um, the primary one, I think, is mistrust of the medical establishment in economic factors, um, preventing continuity of care. And so many people didn't have a medical home. They didn't have any one provider who was advocating for them, who knew them as a person who understood what they needed and could help them navigate through a really complex system to get the care that they needed. And so people would come in having not had healthcare in a long time for a variety of reasons, or they would come in um, not ready to share everything that the provider needed to know in order to treat them effectively. Um, A couple of other things that happen commonly, especially in the past couple of years, um, feeling safe, exercising outdoors or in gyms. Mm -hmm. And um, so certainly COVID impacted black and brown communities um, in a much more significant way. And going to the gym (laughs) did not feel safe and hasn't for a little while. Um, Also, there was an uptick in just violence against Asian Americans during the time I worked in the clinic. And so we would set goals for going out for a walk. And then we would, you know, talk about what happened and and realize that that was a factor. Um, A lot of extra media coverage of um, black kids going out for a run and being assaulted or, or killed in that process. And so just, you know, this idea that you can just go out for a walk or go out for a run and, and that's part of your day-to-day 
free way of being healthy is not always as easy as I think providers come into it thinking. Right. Because they're coming into it thinking of where they're at in life and their situation, not, you know, it's the grass isn't always greener. They say like, Hey, this is where you're at this, but this is where a lot of your population that you're serving is where they're coming from. Um, Absolutely. And I think the stress of that, the persistent stress of not feeling safe and of living with in, in persistent systemic racism takes its toll on people's health and blood pressure is a huge factor. And um, I went through a a people's Institute training called undoing racism. and, And one of our facilitators said, you know, don't ask what we're eating ask what's eating us because Mm. that is the starting place for really understanding um, what are all the impacts, what is going on in, in the system that um, is outside the control of the individual. And so only when we start asking that question, do we stop, you know, really pathologizing people for not adapting to a really sick society and really getting into that individual listening and curiosity and and creating a plan, considering all the factors that is going to help each individual be successful. Absolutely. When when you're having these conversations, Melissa, with with patients about their their fear, you know, of exercising outside or whatever their the conditions that they're coming from, give us a look into your mind. What are, what are you thinking? You know, what, what are you, what are you going through and how are you trying to you know process this information and also give them, you know, kind of a solid strategy or, or a foundation to improve their health? Yeah. So, um, for example, um, one patient I had, um, had immigrated from an Asian country where, the word for food and the word for rice were pretty much the same word. And oh, okay. yeah, she had many kids that she was cooking for every night. She worked in a factory all day and she was having, she needed to manage her weight. She needed to manage her blood pressure. And so um, her provider put her on a low, low carb diet. And because that, technically is, is a a great starting place for someone who wants to lose weight. And, um, through the process of coaching and trying to figure out what her options are, um, she, she decided she wanted to try walking during one of her work breaks Mm -hmm. and came back the next time and hadn't met her goals. And so as a coach, you know, we, look at a couple of things. Um, Were those the right goals? And how can we open up more possibilities? How can we figure out what will work? Because ultimately, it's a big process of experimentation Mm -hmm. to figure out what works for each individual. And so this thing about not eating rice, (laughs) someone from that culture who has a huge family to feed and a low income is really not fair. That, that was kind of my, my knee-jerk reaction, like, we've got we've to look at this more creatively. Um, how, yeah, how can we open up more possibilities? And so, you know, ultimately, the client 
has the answers. They know. Right. And she had already been thinking about, well, maybe I could try brown rice. Maybe I could mix brown white rice and white rice. Maybe I could have a smaller portion of rice and, and more vegetables and, and those kinds of things. But then we got into, you know, what's the price of vegetables? And versus rice and how do you afford more vegetables and when you have seven kids to feed how do you how do you negotiate all of that and so you know that's a whole different um coaching focus that we we worked through and then this idea of of not feeling safe you know she didn't meet her walking goal and we had it all figured out and and we had it figured out where she could do it during her workday and she had mapped her route and in my efforts to become a more culturally competent coach, you know, I'm, I'm aware, even though I don't experience that lack of safety where I walk, I'm aware that that can be a factor. And so the minute I named it, you know, we were kind of hemming and hawing about why she didn't do it. And she felt bad about it. And I just asked her, you know, do you feel safe? And it was like this, this look of, just, wow, somebody understands washed over her. And that was a starting point for, I think, building a little bit more trust so that we could dig in to figure out goals that really do work for her, you know? Right. That's awesome, Melissa. It's just acknowledging what they're going through. It's just can be so powerful, you know, for, for that change. Um, and, and something when you, when you talked about the, the rice situation, and I, I go through that with patients all the time, and it almost feels like they're afraid to talk about the food because they think that as the coach, I'm going to tell them they can't have rice or whatever their the cultural like you know staple is, yeah. and they're like they don't know what to do, <laughs> you know, and and that's not the case. I'm. I, we can, we can still make healthy choices and you can still keep your culture and do some of those things. Yeah. It's not fair to demonize someone's cultural foods. I mean, it yeah. just causes so many problems and, and puts so many barriers in the way of their success. And, and it's not necessary. We know that you can lose weight with a lot of different macronutrient. Balance. Absolutely. There are many, many ways to do it. And I think that just opening your mind to get creative, to meet the person where they are, to understand um, what's going on is, is where we as coaches with the time that we have and the nature of the conversations that we have with patients really allows us to, to go. Right, right. Absolutely. So, you know, one thing that we do know is that the, the mindset of a provider and a nurse is the polar opposite of the mindset of a health coach. What was your experience like being a part of a care team and, and, and having to be a part of that team with different, you know, and, and what I mean by that is, you know, a lot of, you know, doctors or nurses, they, you have this, here's, do this, you know, yeah. with coaching, it's more taking layers back and setting goals is a whole different it's a whole different experience. How was that experience for you? <laughs> yeah. Well, I was really hesitant to go <laughs> into a medical setting when I, I was recruited um, off of LinkedIn, actually, for this job. And I was kind of like, really? I'm not sure I trust the medical system. I don't know. <laughs> I was, I had my yoga studio at the time and I was coaching, you know, doing more wellness coaching and things like that. But 
I wanted to have an opportunity to work with people from all walks of life and really have a bigger impact than I was, than I was having coaching just people who, who looked like me. And um, so I went into this environment and first of all, it was awesome to be at the table and, and have an opportunity to have a conversation about patient care with the entire care team sitting there every day to discuss the cases of each patient and, and have a chance to impact that. And, but I had to be very careful about how I did it because mm-hmm. I think that coaching is, is not very well understood. It's really hard to explain what coaching is. And it's really difficult from a provider's perspective to know where we fit. And so um, they, in our clinic, they, they're the gatekeepers for whether or not someone gets introduced to coaching. And so I really wanted to um, make sure that um, I was in service to them as well as in service to our patients, because, you know, primary care providers get burnt out because Mm -hmm. they're so tired of recommending these lifestyle changes that are critical to people getting better. And then time after time, seeing people not implementing them and not really understanding why. And so being a person who was the resource to walk with patients and help them get there, having positive stories and celebrations, as well as um, stories about people's lives and the realities that they're facing to help educate providers um, was a really challenging and really rewarding position to be in. <laughs> right. It's such a fine line. It's such a fine dance. Like you're, you're, yeah. you're dancing, trying to, you know, do your best to, you know, give what the provider needs, but also what the patient needs and, and do all that. I, I definitely get what you're saying there. Um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm, a, I'm an activist and kind of, I've decided a long time ago that um, I'm going to be an advocate for my clients no matter what. And so that gives me the courage to say what needs to be said and do what needs to be done. Um, whether it leads to um, acceptance in that model and, you know, mm-hmm. great success on that career path or not is less important to me than my patient being understood and getting what they need. Right. Right. And, you know, I do believe you know, especially with companies like the one that you used to work, that you worked for, uh, we're going to be seeing a lot more health coaches in the future in primary care settings. You know, I do believe that um, for anybody listening that is thinking of making that career change or maybe a college student looking into getting into health coaching and wanting to potentially be in a, in a clinical setting, you know, what is some advice you would give, give to them, uh, you know, something that you wish you would have known, you know, before you started? Yeah. Well, Corey, I think it's a great career opportunity because like you said, it is growing mm-hmm. and you will be blazing a trail into a medical model model that doesn't always work the way that you think it should. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. (laughs) 
And um, so you're going to have to explain yourself a lot. You're going to have to advocate for your patients. Um, you're going to have to challenge the, the coach training institutions and the powers that be in the coaching world to be more culturally competent, to include black and brown people's perspectives in the coach training model. And mm -hmm which is not something that's typically um, been done. I know there are a lot of really great coach trainers and coaches who are working really hard to figure that out and do better. Um, but historically it's been kind of a white profession. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but for someone who's feeling called to work and serve in a medical field, especially if you're in, you know, a, a place of mid-career pivot, like I was when I got into coaching it's a faster track. It's faster than nursing school. It's faster than getting, you know, a master's degree that you would need to be a therapist or a social worker. And many coach training programs are offered online. You can do them while you're still working your day job without going into debt. And on the job training is, is also becoming more common. So that makes it more accessible um, for a lot more people than a lot of other careers in the medical fields. Um, the other thing is that we are making inroads. The American Medical Association in 2020 approved a CPT code for health and well-being coaching which is huge. If in the medical model, if you can't bill for it, if you can't, you know, mm -hmm. put a diagnosis code down, then it doesn't exist. And so um, that's a huge win. And that's something that um, allows coaching to be integrated into the medical model a little bit more easily. And, and then also um, I work with a lot of health and wellness entrepreneurs and uh, like you mm -hmm. and um Many, many people I talk to who are doing uh, personal training, who are doing nutrition coaching, who are doing even mindset coaching and things like that, um, they may have started by selling a product or a service, but, but coaching is an add-on for everything these days. And so yeah. I think that you know we're starting to see how all of these things are interconnected and that coaching can be a part of just about any wellness business. So just the opportunities that are out there are blossoming in within the past even two years. I've seen I've seen a lot of growth. Absolutely absolutely. And I, I think there's no there's no better way to get experience. You kind of touched on it earlier is, is you know, on-site training. You, you know what I mean? Like, I think there's a great, there's a, some of those certification companies, it's a great foundation, right? You got to have a foundation. You got to know how to be able to talk to somebody in a structured way, all those different things. But it is a total different world when you have that patient in front of you. <laughs> you know what I mean? This you can't you can't prepare for that in, in a classroom. You just got you just got to do it. Nope, you got to jump in, and you just you just get better and better the the longer you do it. You just learn so much about yourself and Absolutely. about what's going on in the world. Absolutely. Um, outside of health coaching, you know, and, and just talking about, you know, health professionals as in general, and though you say you, you work with a lot of health professionals, right, with, yeah. with your current business, you know, what are, you know, do you have any other advice or any other anything else that they can do or implement to support that patient or that client a little bit better? Yeah, um, I think that 
we all need to educate ourselves about racial health disparities and unconscious bias. And many of us have not had that kind of training in our certification programs and in our traditional education, but we need to understand our blind spots. We need to understand how unconscious bias interferes with patient care. And we need to start working on ourselves so that that's not interfering with the good work that we're all here to do. And as we do that, it gets really uncomfortable when you start to see how you contribute to, um, to things that you weren't aware of before you started educating yourself. Man, you're so right. You may be afraid of doing or saying the wrong thing, and it can be really complicated and stressful when you first start to open your eyes to what's going on. Um, but I, you know, I just think the only way you can be a hundred percent sure that you're doing the wrong thing is that you're doing nothing to make the Mm. situation better. Right. When, when you're talking, when you were talking about bias, I was, I just wrote about this not too long ago and tackling my own bias was probably one of the hardest things that I had to do, you you know, as of recently, and I could talk about the story later. It was after record, it's a long story. Yeah. But man, it was so hard to kind of step away and look at myself and kind of check my own bias mm-hmm. so I can provide a great service for somebody. And it was it was super difficult, but necessary as as a health professional, because everybody has them. It's just being mindful of it. Absolutely. And it really does interfere with our ability to help people. And that's what we're all about. And so. Yeah really owning that and getting out of our own way is going to make us so much more effective at doing this really important work. And I think that, um, you know, the other thing is recognizing that every patient that walks in your door, you have to build trust with them from the Mm -hmm. ground up. And there are reasons why they may come in not trusting you, even though they've never met you. Some of those are cultural, some are historical, some have to do with the way that you, the way they pick up on your unconscious bias, perhaps. Mm -hmm. Um, But you, you can't assume the patient trusts you just because you have letters behind your name, just because you're sitting in the office that they have come in to um, receive services in and um, really inviting your patients to bring their whole self, really seeing and recognizing their, all the aspects of their identity and working with them to create solutions that include those is so important. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, so the last question I have is more of a personal question as a health coach myself in the clinical setting. This is something I struggled with the first, I guess I want to say the first two years Uh um, and it's taking accountability for my patient's success. So to give you a a little, little uh, backstory, you know, when I first started in the clinical setting, I kind of just did what the nurses did. I have, have a patient, they come see me. My office, my office was right next to the scale. I would put them on the scale and then we go to my office. And a lot of the people that I saw, you know, they were people who they were just for, you know, for obesity related reasons, or they needed to lose weight for surgery or, you know, for general health or whatever the case may be. But it got to the point to where if they didn't lose weight or if they gained weight, 
I took that on as a loss. Like, oh my, like I had to like check myself, like, hey, this is this is nobody's fault. Like, there are so many different, like we had been talking about this whole episode, right? There are so many different um reasons, environmental reasons why this is happening. In the beginning, I was, you know, I was new to the clinical setting, so I had no idea. But did you ever have that experience to where you would if you had a client in your office and they didn't meet a goal or they didn't, you know, they were expecting to lose weight and they didn't, did you ever have that experience of taking on that yourself and that kind of challenging you? Have you ever had that? Yeah, of course, Corey, <laughs> you know, we're, we're humans and we're, we're trained to, you know, set these boundaries and understand yeah. the patient's creative, resourceful and whole, and this is their this is their goal. And um, we can't take that on, but we are also empathetic humans who feel their disappointment, feel their shame, feel their frustration. And we want to help them so much. We want them to be successful, but I don't know. I mean, I really subscribe to the, you know, the, uh, school of thought that we are working toward long-term lifestyle change. Anybody can sign up to do a diet and lose weight really fast and then gain it back probably just as quickly. Um, And so we really focus in, in my coaching practice on non-scale victories. And those are behavior changes that are within their control. And so some of my patients would want to do weigh-ins, but it would never go as well because it put me in the position of being the accountability police Mm -hmm. and I want to be their partner. I want them to come in and share what they did and how they made progress on the behavior change goals that we, that they had, because over time that is going to set them up to lose weight. Right. Over time, you know, some of the work we do early in a weight loss process has more to do with self-compassion, loving yourself, believing that you are worth it, believing that you can do this. And so you may not see a, a difference on the skill in the early stages of coaching for a little while, but that doesn't mean you're failing. It means that you're laying a really strong foundation so that when you do get there, um, you're going to stay there. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Melissa, thank you so much for being on the podcast with me today. This was great. I really appreciate your time. Thank you, Corey. It's been my honor and pleasure. I really appreciate being part of the conversation. Yeah. So if um, anybody listening wanted to get a hold of you, learn more about you, uh, where can they find you? Yeah. The probably the best way, place to find me is on LinkedIn. Um, my profile is under Melissa Ann Arthur. And Anybody who's listening, who's dreaming of a career in health coaching and has some questions, feel free to shoot me a message. I'd be happy to um, talk with you there and and answer questions. I'm sure Corey would be able to answer many questions about that as well. And um, I'm also in the process of building a, a health and wellness entrepreneur group. And so if you're established in health coaching or in any other wellness kind of business and you want to feel more supported and um, connected, let me know that too. And I'll share more about the group I'm building and, and see if it's a good fit. Awesome. Awesome. Well, again, Melissa, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Um, and everybody, thank you for listening to the Healthy Project Podcast. I'll have you next time. 